2: Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where do you come from?
3: Uh, my name is David O'Reilly and I'm originally from Dublin, Kilmanagh and Luke in, uh, yeah. And where are you living now? I'm living in London. I've lived in London for the last 13 years now. So yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm a bit of both. A bit of both, because you can hear it in your accent. Do you know what, everyone says that, but I, I, I think... But, because I pronounce my THs, it's because if you don't over there, they're like, oh, what is that? tree, tree <laughs> yeah. And it's like, oh, Jesus. So you just kind of get, you subconsciously trying to raise it. Yeah. But when I go back now, after being here for like two months, the writs will be like, oh, yeah, look, listen, God, you've been home, <laughs> haven't you? So it's mad. It is mad.
2: Um, okay. And before we get into all that, so we know each other through Elaine and the Elaine Show. Yeah. And you were doing some, you were on the panel and doing showbiz reporting for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got to know you through Instagram and looking at your page and so that. I wanted to sit down with you because I just think you have this colourful life that I want to hear all about. <laughs> but I just want to hear about it from the very beginning. So, how many in the family in Kilimana and take it from there for me?
3: So, yeah, I was born uh, into, I was, born in t- I was uh, uh, first born um, mm. to Liz and Tom, both originally from Ballyframer. We then uh, lived in Killamana. Um That's where they lived when I was born. Um, And then I have a younger brother, Joseph, four years younger than me as well. And my childhood was a game of two halves, really, because my home life was incredible. You couldn't ask for better parents. You couldn't ask for a more loving home. Any hobbies we wanted to do, we got to do it. We were around our grandparents. I had a lot of strong women in my family. um, On both sides, my mom and my dad. But then school was a little bit more tumultuous. I i was I was obviously a young queer child growing up in a country that still hadn't come to terms with what that enabled or what that meant and I was a chatty child I wanted to chat and that was the thing is that like Some parents will tell their kids to shut up now, stop talking now. But my mum embraced. She wanted to... We were allowed to have an opinion. You know, we were able to talk to her. She would talk to us. And I had that with my nannies as well. and, And my aunties and my cousins and stuff and my uncles. So to then go to school and I didn't enjoy the process of being... I was scared to do something wrong in case I got in trouble. But then if I was chatty, then I'd have the piss taken out can you swear on this yep. yeah yeah Had you'd have the piss taken out of you so I was this chatty little gay kid grown up and you know then started when I got older to put a little bit of weight on so then my physical attributes would be taken and it, w- it just got more toxic as the years went on and it kind of had it we had one amazing teacher um who when it all stopped but then the minute we got another teacher, then for my sixth class, it just went all. It, it was. It was just horrible. It was. It was. And and the problem was, it was just. It didn't just affect me. It affected my whole family. Cause I was coming home, I was so unhappy, um, and my mom and dad had built me back up and then sent me off again the next day. So, you know, there was a lot of a lot of hard conversations. Mom and dad wanted to move when we were younger, and for some reason, I was scared. But then we ended up did moving once I was a little bit older and it was probably the best decision we ever made.
2: What was happening in school?
3: I it started out with, you know, just the usual name calling and and kind of picking on and, 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 and for me I I can I, I I felt like I could deal with it back then, you know. Um, I was actually reading one of my reports the other day. I had a load of reports. I mean it's mad, these teachers are like David needs to work in his handwriting and they're writing in hieroglyphics themselves. <laughs> I'm like, Are you mad? Writing in it needs to work in his writing and then one of them are easily upset by others and I was like, That was when I was really being badly bullied, like and how clueless of a teacher must you be to not have even seen that? Then it would go then fourth class i i I just remember fourth class being really, really hard. We had a new teacher and things just kind of stepped up a notch and it was people were venomous to me i'd go on holiday and i'd come back and my books would have david is gay written in them and um, in the toilets on the wall david is gay written on them they would call me names about you know you know, listen i've got an arse now you know i've got a big arse i'm not afraid to show it now you know i'm proud i'm a proud uh, fatty. but. Um, They'd say Duckers, you know, David's fat, David's gay. I'd, I remember one time when my brother was really struggling at school um, and, and I went down to be with him on his play, his um, breaks. Yeah. So he'd have a little bit of familiarity. And I remember him going back into his class and he was absolutely terrorised. He was crying. He was just getting used to school. Yeah. And I went back into my class. And I burst into tears. But instead of taking me outside and asking me what's wrong, the teacher took me to the top of the classroom and in front of everyone asked me what's wrong. So all the focus was on me crying. And they seen that as a weakness. And kids, listen, kids are kids. But it was almost like blood in front of wolves. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Then kind of stopped in fifth class. And then sixth class was just vile again. I remember at one point I was in a circle with everyone in my class. And they were pushing and pointing at me, calling me a loner. And at one point I remember walking down to the principal's office. I just went up during the playtime, walked into the building, got my bag and walked down to the principal's office. And I said, I, I don't want to be here anymore. And I was crying. I've got no friends. I have no friends. And two of the bullies followed me down and stood in the room as well. And he went, "Will you do. Look, there's two friends there. And I'll never forget that shock of thinking, Jesus Christ, this is, I, I felt so so blind blindsided I just felt like what is happening here like I was so young and all I wanted to do was please people and talk to people and be nice and be you know creative and, and and just be myself my authentic self but I wasn't even able to be just not like what I would have considered just have a typical kind of school day they were just having none of it and like I would I, I mean my mum remember telling me that she went down to the principal at one point and he said well, you know, some kids are meant to be bullied and some kids are meant to be bullies. And I will never forget that. And my mum was, I will never, she she said she absolutely let him have it then. Mm-hmm. She just really read him a new one. There was another time where then a group of friends out of, you know, in my, who I thought were in my class, mm-hmm. that were friends, would text me. When we just started getting phones then, come and meet us at the garage. And then I'd go to the garage and they wouldn't be there. And they'd say, come and meet us on the garbage. I'd go to the gap pitch and they wouldn't be there. Come with me as a shant, I'd go to shant and they wouldn't be there. And like, I was just, it was just awful. I was given the runaround. around. I was, they preyed on my, my, my vulnerability and they wore me down to the point where when I went to secondary school, I literally just kept my head down as best I could to avoid, to avoid bringing any attention onto myself. Sorry, that was a really long-winded answer to kind no, of what went on. No, but that's
2: what I want from you. Go, go on a bit about that because it's just horrible that someone would dismini- diminish your, you and you know yeah it, 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 do you know
3: what it 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 was so it was so you know we we went to a psychologist and everything to try and, as a family to try and you know and this is i don't think i've ever been so open about this like on a, on a public forum before like we've always spoke about you know my mental health as a su- subsequent to the bullying and stuff like that. But we never kind of got real into, you know, as a family, like how that impacted a lot of us. And actually, I'm so glad that in the four years that I, that are between me and my brother, we had moved by the time Joseph was going to secondary school. And he just flourished. And he was able to be his authentic self. And he was such a strong and loved person. And it was just that difference of four years for me was just so... It felt like a million years, the two experiences that we kind of had. Now I'm not saying Joshua didn't experience anything, but just that that time in primary school for the latter half of the primary school was just so toxic and I I, I mean even now like if we go by the primary school that I went to, I'm 34 now and I literally, I, I feel like a whole shade of darkness comes over me and my, anxi- my anxiety will be like sky high just because it brings back so, triggers so many kind of memories and and it's had such a profound effect on me as a person with paranoia with regards to thinking people are talking about me if they're not and being defensive and kind of I've had to really work on that and it's it's so you know Irish people are amazing you know that we have so many so many kind of Attributes that other uh, cultures don't have. But one of our biggest faults is that kind of burnout. It's all right, just get on with it, stand up and get on with it and do it. And I'm not saying that, that is what happened to me, because it certainly didn't, my mum and dad didn't do that, but the the infrastructure of the school did that to me. And, um, yeah, I, I I just hope that we've come on now that that's not happening still in, in working-class areas where, where children, and that's what really worries me about the whole, you know, I'm not a, a member of the trans community, I'm a member of the LGBTQIA plus community. But that's what's so triggering about people with regards to children and and being taught about trans education and non-binary education and gender Um, studies. Because it just worries me that these kids who are so scared and, and who are just getting to know themselves will think that this world is just full of so much hate. Because you can only draw on the experiences that you're living through. So for me, I definitely think being called so gay caused me to come out so late really yeah I was 22 when I came out like now people are coming out when they're kids now Mm the days they're saying you know or they're teenagers I I don't know maybe I'm wrong on that but but I was 22 like that was so late like and I only did it because I had a boyfriend I got a boyfriend and I feel like that was because I had built up a perception and narrative in my head that being gay was wrong because I was always told it was it was used as an insult. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It was always used that's as. A, so a, yeah, You're that's so, so gay. gay. You're so gay. You're so gay. You know, you know, using the word faggot like people still don't know the the connotation that comes with that word. And listen, I'm not one of these people who say take it out of songs and all that. I think leave it in, but just acknowledge that the word to, ha, can and have has done damage to people because it's used as a as a as a as a as a, as a weapon. It's used to to hurt people you know they use that word to hurt people and they you know so for me it has had such a profound effect on me as an adult that bullying and that kind of primary school era that like I said secondary school was just a kind of just try and get through it as quick as possible keep my head down and just deal with it
2: do you know what's mad because um it's not mad but I always say that all the time um that you've just said that about the song because you know you're scumbag, scumbag and I've I was like, when Ed, Ed Sheeran, I think, was he who sang it on the Late Late, and it was uproar, and I was kind of going, Jesus Christ, that's terribly had to change song. And you've literally just made me go, like, bulb moment Rebecca, it was used as a weapon. And I never taught that, David. It,
3: never. It, it was, and, you know, it, what what's really hard is, and I, like I say, I'm not one for saying, take it out. It was written at the time, but I think we need to understand that for some people, you know, it's the word that they hear when they're being battered on the streets, you know, this year alone. The, the the rise in hate crimes towards gay people and trans people has gone through the roof. And that word is used as an insult, it's used as a as a as a as a weapon, like I said. Mm. And I think it's it it's so hard to try and explain that. So like it's so lovely to hear you say yeah. that because I love that you've 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 said that like uh, often the kind of the you know I, like I said I don't I'm not one of these people that like, get rid of it take mm. it out of the song but what I will do is try and explain to people this is maybe why it's insulting and there's nothing mm-hmm. worse when a when someone turns around and goes oh well they want their scumbag mm. okay I, I, that's not the same thing but okay you know I, and you can only take a horse to water you can't make a drink and I mm. find that with we're having like really easy conversations is the way that we'll get rid of a lot of these kind of um, things because people just don't understand, and even like my mum and dad like born in the 60s in Ballyferma a different era, it's yeah. all about change evolve, and I will evolve as a person and there'll be things yeah. that I'll be like oh I don't get in a few years and people will explain to me and I think doing what you do so brilliantly and why I love your podcast so much is that you just listen to people and it's not. There's nothing, There's no agenda. There's no politics. Yeah. There's no kind of um, socio-economic kind of uh, prejudice. You just speak with people, and it's just human to human. And at the end of the day, that's all we really want is is, is, is conversations between people.
2: Yeah, because like, and I think a lot of people will be like, wow. Because, like, that was just a wet well moment for me. That's, like, something I never, ever taught. And yeah. so I do apologise for that. Like, cause you I, ne- I never, t- I never ever re- realised that I was used to it. So, uh, and it was. And it only was recently, and we can talk about that yeah. in a few minutes. Can I ask you, were you ever envious of Joe that he wasn't being bullied compared to you or he didn't have the same...
3: No, because I was very protective of him. Mm. Even as a baby, like, when we were kids, I was always so protective of him. And and for me, there was a real kind of pride seeing him flourish. And even now, like, he gives me confidence to be an authentic version of myself. Like, even, like, you know, when I... uh, I went to the Jamie movie press a few weeks, a few months ago for the the world premiere of the film. And we were told to go glamorous and full out. And I picked an outfit and I was... I put it on and I remember that day going. I'm going. I can't wear it. I can't wear it. And he went, David. You look amazing. And I was like, Oh, okay. And it was it was a big zebra print kind of two piece suit. <laughs> Everyone thought it was expensive. I got it on boohoo.com, <laughs> with a tiny little thing. Got a shirt, you know, with a nice like um, uh, what you call Carvat. it, a cravat collar mm. thing, mm. and. I wore it, and I felt amazing, and he built me up, so there was never any jealousy, there was never any kind of um, competition between the two of us. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people would want, and a lot of people would say to Joseph, are you jealous of Dave, or, you Mm -hmm. know, because even work-wise, careers and stuff like that, we're each other's biggest hype men, I know that maybe sounds weird, but we really are, so there was never that grown up, and I was just glad that Joseph didn't have to experience what I did, because I would never, I, it would kill me to know that someone that I loved so much, my brother, would, would potentially go through the hurt that I did. That would just, I think that'd be harder maybe, yeah. than even acknowledging it myself. Mm
2: and you said there about the psychologist so what what did you have to go for and how did your mum and dad help you with that because you're very I'm I, I'm actually moving away from the word lucky I'm moving away from that lucky and saying very blessed you're very blessed to have the parents that you have because not everyone is as blessed as you to have those parents yeah. so do you want to tell me a little bit about psychologists and stuff like that
3: yeah it was something that I think mom obtained and it was for the family because I said you know bullying doesn't doesn't just affect the child yeah. these parents are going to bed wracked wrapped to or wrecked was it racked ruck, Yeah, wrecked, racked, whatever racked, yeah. racked worry yeah. every night yeah. um wondering is today going to be the day he gets more um verbal abuse is today going to be the day he gets picked on is today going to be the day he's going to get pushed or, or uh, another day where we have to build him back up again is he going to be continuing to lash out again um were you lashing out? i was so lashing out yeah like mm-hmm. there was times when i looked back and i was i was so angry with for a kid, like, I, I was happy because of my circumstances, but I dread to think if I didn't have such an amazing mum and dad where it would have left would have led me, you know? Mm-hmm. But the psychologist, it was just one session, and we went to Trinity College, and we sat down as a family, and uh, we were all kind of asked and spoken to, and it was really interesting. I got mum to fish out some, I was filling out a form the other week, and mum fished out um, a couple of files. You know, mums, they like to keep it. It's like... It's <laughs> It's Dublin City Bank and there with the mental file she's got and she, uh, it was my school reports but then also a sheet from the um, psychologist that they broke it down about like well you know from life we need and stuff like that and I think going to see the psychologist was I didn't know it was a psychologist I think I thought it was a counsellor at the time maybe but it was good because actually as a family we could speak about it and I knew that these three people had my back no matter what do you know what I mean? Mm. And for me, that was, that was, it was literally what got me through was the three of them were the thing that got me through that, you know, and I always had my back and, and, you know, I was very lucky. I've got some amazing grandparents and in particular, my, my mom's mom, Kitty. She was, she went through so much in her life, but her tenacity and her, 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 um her pure resilience, was such an inspiration to me and to see how far she'd come and, you know, the way she she was a mother to her kids and, and a wife and, and to the darkest of times in Ireland where women were running houses on, on, on no money, like, it was so inspiring. And even at that age to see her, you know, that was always very inspiring. And the same with my nanny O'Reilly because she did the same thing as well. Um, but, yeah, that was kind of what the psychology was. It was a reinforcement of... Of knowing, I mean, for me, the kind of maybe clinical aspect of it didn't kind of sit with me Mm. until like now when I when I go to a psychologist now, you know, um, and and speak and have therapy and stuff, which you know I would advise anybody to have. I think it's so important um, to check in with their their mental health and stuff like that. But yeah, so this the psychologist was just a little check in. Say, actually, do you know what these people have my back?
2: Mm.
3: We as a family are going to deal with this and deal with it. We did. You know,
2: good. And can you tell me? Did you when you were going through a secondary and all Did you always wanted to get into drama and all of that? Tell me about that.
3: Yeah, I did. You know, from a young age, I did drama at primary school. It was one of my outlets after school. There was an after school drama club, and I loved it. Because oh, <laughs> I loved it. It was so so good. It it was just I'd never felt that. It was like a drug. Do you know what I mean? It was like a, a just this adrenaline. Like it was just amazing. I loved it, and then. Going to secondary school, I started playing the violin. I played the violin for 10 years, but I, I, I think I was afraid at secondary school to join the drama group. Mm. So I think what happened so was, it was like, oh God. And I think my mom had seen how happy I was um, doing drama. And then when I was about 14, 15, she, a cousin in Lucan was going to a drama school, a musical theatre, performing arts school. And my mom says, well, what, do you want to try and go to it? And I did, and I, I just, I fell in love with the classes and, and some of the teachers, and I was like, this is what I want to do. And then before we know it, we were, I was doing it for, like, four years or three years, and then we ended up moving to Lucan, and I changed schools, which I never would have done before, because mm-hmm. I think it was that, you know, thing of Stockholm syndrome, you know, yeah, where, like, yeah. I, you know, I didn't <laughs> want to move. And mm-hmm. we'd kind of, I think, you know... Uh, we we were ready to move as a family and um, mm. and we did and I think it was one of the best things my mom and dad the best gift that my mom and dad ever gave us it was like a new beginning it was a fresh start and we still live there today and I love it and I love the life my mom and dad have created there and I love the friends that they have and I love the community and I love I love what we get from the area you know and you know that was that was that was so so that area afforded me the opportunity to want to actually re re kind of align and go. I love it. And then what I did was, I got my lehman search, I got through my leaving search. One of the hardest things. I, I I don't know how people do it. It's up, over in England they do like three subjects for their A levels. Maybe <laughs> over here when they find out you do seven or eight exams, they're like, "What <laughs> the hell is going on?" I and mean, yes. it's, it's awful. So I. I, I actually went and did a year in public in media. Right. You know, media presentation and training. And, and um, written journalism, I think it was called as well. And it was during that year that I got the chance to audition for a college in Dublin over in England. So we weren't even having to go over to London. And it was just done per chance. But then I got it. And, yeah, it it, it changed my
2: life. And can I ask, for we go to that, can I ask you, when you moved... Like, were you then realising I'm free and I can be myself and I can be accepted? Or what age did you feel accepted for being David O'Reilly?
3: I don't think I, as a person, I don't think I ever felt accepted until I started to work professionally. Really? In 2012, maybe. I was accepted by my mum, my dad, my brother. Like, that was, and my, my, my larger family, some of them definitely but i as a person probably not until i started working professionally in musical theater in 2012 11 11 yeah that's so sad uh, it, yeah it, uh, and and looking back at it now i suppose it is really it's that that trauma of cuz definitely like even like the stuff from primary school filtered into when i was at training at musical theater college my insecurities carried there which is already uh, assess bit of anxiety and insecurities of drama school God. Fame has nothing on what we experienced, you know what I mean? And to have it was just such awful side effects from that. And and you know, if there is parents listening here that, you know, think their child may be getting bullied or thinks their child could pretend I mean most parents probably my child wouldn't bully. Just just check in with them a little bit more. Um because you could be the difference between a serious amount of trauma later on in your child's life, and I was lucky that the trauma that I experienced was limited because when I went home it was the safest place ever it was the best place ever so you know if a child- I couldn't imagine what a child would be gone through if they came home from school and then had to experience that that would that just is so hard, so you know. It, it it had a profound effect on my later life and and living authentically even like now like there's things where I'll be like, you know oh god maybe I just shouldn't be too calm because that casting director might might see my Instagram page, maybe I shouldn't be too camp because actually they won't think they might think this don't put that photo up. maybe I've got too because obviously I'm a lot. Of, I, I just come out of a musical where I was dressed as a drag queen. Maybe I shouldn't put a picture up because I think I'm a, I'm a drag queen. All these negative connotations. that I'm adding all these looks and 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 personalities and sexualities and traits and all. So it definitely has had a profound effect on me. So I would say though, like going back to your original question, it was definitely when I, when I when I, when I was 2011. So I would have been around 23.
2: Yeah. And even like you said, then you had a boyfriend, and can I ask? And it, it might be a question a horrible question but it's sometimes kind of like just did you have friends
3: no no i didn't i didn't have friends until i until we moved to lucan and i had girls from the um girl and i actually built up a friendship group around lucan then at that point but up until i didn't have friends no no i did i thought i did and then I didn't no
2: that's so sad
3: but you know what, it is sad. It is sad, but then in another way, then I was rich in cousins. Like, I had so many amazing cousins and I was so lucky to have them, but I didn't have those friends where I...
2: Did no one ever pick up for you in school? Like, in no school? one ever say, stop.
3: No, no.
2: No one ever put their arm around you and say, it's okay, David?
3: No, 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 no not Certainly not students. Certainly not teachers, Now, My mum, my dad, my brother, nay my mum's, I remember one day... Ringing my mom after school, and I was like, "I just can't deal with this anymore." And my mom rung and said, "Will you go to Rita's? Who's one of her best friends who lived three doors up at the time?" And I remember just going to Rita's, crying. She'd put her arm around me. Yeah, you know, friends and 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 my nanny and my they would, but not in school. No, it was a, it was a it was at times a very lonely time. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? I've I've come out the other end of it Mm. now and um i i hope those people never have to go through what my mom and dad had to go through as parents i would never even wish that on my worst enemy i hope that their child never has to go through what they inflicted on me and and maybe that sounds a bit angry when i say that but i genuinely i genuinely mean that like Mm. I, i just hope that you know, we've come a little bit further on with bullying and understanding, and I hope those teachers. You know, I think m- probably more than anything, I'm angry with the adults that were yeah. in that school, the teachers who should have been aware, who should have known what was going on, who were told that was going on by my, you know my mum, mm-hmm. and they they continuously pushed it under the carpet and allowed it slide. That is that is wrong, mm-hmm. and and I hope, I hope that they've changed. I'm not sure. I don't. I don't have anybody or now anybody that's got kids or skills that are similar age now you know a lot of my cousins nephews and nieces are all like just starting. Mm. but i'd I, I, i'd i i'd be horrified to think that any of them would have to experience that yeah
2: it's it's you know like I, I i did a podcast with james patrice and james said i asked him about his bullies and he says he sees them now and he says they'll shout crossroad Oh, my wife loves your page and loves what you're doing and there's two kids in a pram or a, a child, you know, school uniform on, and he's like, thanks, and he's like, I hope to God, your children never experience what you put me through.
3: What you inflicted on me, I just so right, James. I love James by the way, full yeah. disclosure. Mm-hmm. I think James is amazing. Mm-hmm. I think he's he is trailing the way for for the LGBT community on prime prime time media on the television, which is what we need more of, in my opinion. Um, but he's right. I remember in in Liffey Valley, my mum seeing one of my bullies and I didn't even recognise him. And he was walking up with kids. And his wife and my mum said, when he seen me, he absolutely scoured and nearly ran into the building. And I thought, well, I hope he holds on shame. to that feeling. And mm-hmm. I hope that shame that he has influences him as a parent for his kids to one, be better people than he behaved at school. Mm-hmm. But also to be able to have the instruments to deal with if their kids ever do get bullied. Because I wouldn't honestly wish it on them. I hope I hope they never have to go what he like James said, inflict the bully inflicted on, on James. Because it's just not nice. And you know, look at James now, he's absolutely trailblazing and it's so it makes me as a gay person. Pride, pride, proud, proud mm. to see another person dealing with it so so fantastically, and to get you know to where they are. And there's a load of us out there. And, you know, I I don't want this to you know me to kind of. Hopefully, I'm, I I would never want to speak on anybody's behalf, yeah. um, or make out that I'm a victim because I'm not a victim. Um, I was, um, but I'm not anymore. I'm not a victim in the sense of like I, a victim is a strong word. A victim of bullying, I was, but mm. I'm a, i I'm a stronger person now and. Yeah, it's just, it, it, it is so kind of sitting here and talking and dissecting it with you, you just remember those feelings and it was just, it was a lot, you know, a lot for kids to be dealing with.
2: Mm, a lot, Jesus. So tell me about the days in the in the drama and what that was like, because I did do a podcast before, but unfortunately we couldn't air it um, because the sound was just really bad um, with Johnny Ward. Oh. Yeah, and he talked about, you know, you know, not failing, but. The, the nose and all of that and how hard it's been for him um, and I hope to sit down with Johnny again but what was first of all the drama the performing arts school like and then like moving on into your career well
3: that was one of the hardest kind of experience of my life in the sense of um, learning my craft it was like it was like an athlete school you know we were there every day 8 till 6 was this in the UK yeah okay. in, in a place in Essex we it was a professional musical theatre course it doesn't actually exist anymore closed down about 2 years ago but you know, Jesse Buckley went there. Um, not Jesse Buckley. Jesse J went there. A lot of the guys from Betweeners, Um, a lot, two of the girls, uh, Rochelle Humes and Frankie Bridge from uh, Saturdays.
1: Saturday's Day mm-hmm. went there.
3: And then a load of musical theatre people and actors. And you know, we we were doing you know ballet, jazz, contemporary dance, tap dancing, acting through song, acting, singing. Um, you know, physiology. Um. <clears throat> lessons, kind of professional practice lessons, all these kind of lessons. And then it was just, it was literally September to July, three years, Monday. It wasn't just Monday to Friday, it was Monday to your weekend, you had homework and prep. And it was like a proper boot camp. It was fierce. I, the change in practices within drama schools has changed quite a lot over the years, and particularly at the moment now, because they were quite archaic. Mm. It was very old school, and that's what I had. But I've come. I, I've come to realize that that's not always the best way to to teach. I think there has to be a fine balance. Getting rid of that kind of old school, kind of hardcore stuff because actually it, it pushes into the kind of injury. People not mm. doing injury prevention and like that. But it was hardcore. It was three of the most amazing years because I found myself a little bit. Mm. You know, I was prepping that and and I was doing stuff that I loved. I couldn't believe this. Like I was getting to live my musical theatre dream like i was training i mean people that were in western shows coming up and teachers like this was like oh my god with celebrities coming and teachers it was amazing and i was very lucky and you know i i i will remember those three years a lot but then again like i said you know personally you got through a big journey as well and that and that takes on board all the stuff from your past that influences your future mm. you know so yeah
2: did you skip over there or was it oh my god i don't want to leave my mum and dad
3: I skipped, which my mum couldn't believe, because I was the one who didn't want to move when I was younger.
2: Yeah, that's what like you're saying that ever earlier on yeah. didn't want to move that you know Stockholm syndrome, and then this opportunity comes before you. Yeah, and you just skipped. Just skip, absolutely skipped. I
3: loved it. I couldn't believe it. I was sharing a room with someone I never knew in the student house. Going to I was I I just loved it. I don't know what it was like. Someone like a divine angel or something came over me and took over my body and just kind of led the way, and then yeah. 13 years later, I, I, I'm i still there, like, well, how
2: did your mum and dad feel at the airport? Like, was the airport? is like the you. Yeah.
3: Well, mum dropped me off the airport because well, she was distraught when you naturally would be with me if I was your son. And then, um, dad, it was the first time i have seen him emotional. Uh, it was. He came over to the house with me and then him and my brother left okay. to fly back home. And yeah, it was, it was, I think, a lot for us, really. It was a lot. And what I will say is my mum and dad have gone without something my brother could go with and for me and Joseph to follow our dreams, they, they went without and I, I don't think I'll ever be able to make up to them what exactly that means, what what it means to me and my brother, what they did and how they got us through drama school and still support us both emotionally and, and, and embrace us still with even any problems, you know. They're just amazing people and, yeah, I'm so lucky. You are? I am.
2: Tell me, is it true that both you and Joe came out on the same day?
3: It is, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Yeah, exact same thing. Did you just day. have
2: a conversation beforehand? Or, no, or Joseph
3: was fuming because <laughs> I was down about it. Again, the whole thing of, I can't tell my mum I'm gay. They're going to, you know, that that negative, the little man on the shoulder mm. saying, don't forget, being gay is wrong. Being gay is wrong. Everyone's told you it's bad. You're mm. queer. You're a puff. You're a faggy." And I... <laughs> I was just texting my mom one day and she said, you yeah, all right. I said she had it like it, like she knew like there was something wrong. And I said, mm. "I'm I'm sad." And she went, "Why?" And I just texted back saying, "I'm gay." Right. And her her reply was, "Is that all?" And I was like, oh, "Okay." And then <laughs> my mom told my dad, and my dad is at home with my brother, and he said, "You know, David's just come out to your mom." And my brother was like, "Sake." <laughs> Um, but we both knew each other was gay. But yeah. we did, uh, he didn't know I was going to come out on this day. Right. And my dad is like, um, So, you know, if you ever need to tell us anything Joe, you know, we're, you know, we're more than happy to, you know, I hope you feel like you can. Mm. And Joe goes, Yeah, I'm gay as well. Right, I'm just popping out to see my friends. I'll see you later. And <laughs> a you went out and mm. they on me that night. I was bawling crying and they were like, What are you crying for?
2: Why were you crying?
3: Because I was ashamed. I felt ashamed. I felt it was wrong. I was worried people would be different to me. Were they? Somewhere, yeah, somewhere. Some people were. Yeah, they were. But, again, being gay wasn't in people's living rooms. There wasn't two gay men dancing on Strictly. Mm. There wasn't two gay men dancing on Dancing On Ice. There wasn't a lot of gay representation on the television there wasn't a lot of gay representation on on the radio on print media anything like that so some people went the people I love most were fine um and that that includes my cousin Linda my cousin Paul they were all fine it was it was a like it almost was like a an exorcism like mm. And actually, the reason why me and my brother had told each other was my brother was at a party it was over at my student house and we were training and a girl, I had told one girl at college I was gay and she had told another girl and this girl was going around telling everybody at the party that I was gay. And I was like, for fuck's sake, if my brother finds out, so then I end up telling my brother and he's like, yeah, me too. And then we hooked it out. And I think that's why we are so close is that we've kind of been on this journey together. And the, f- the way the four of us are so close is because mm. we've always been a team. Um, and I think we always will be, hopefully. You know, the four of us together, we got each other's backs and stuff like that. Oh, so, yeah. sure.
2: How do you feel about those people who didn't understand or didn't...
3: Um, I, I I don't hold too much anger or, or frustration because when people don't understand things, they get ignorant and they get defensive. And like we said earlier on, just having a conversation can alleviate all that. Mm. But sadly, I'm not going to enter into a conversation about... Um, me being gay because nobody had to come out astray nobody had to ring around and make phone calls and say oh just so you know this so for me it was very important that we didn't go around telling everybody like it was like hear ye hear ye the (laughs) O'Reilly brothers are now gay do you know what I mean if people asked Mm -hmm. they were they could absolutely be told of course yeah I'm gay but I wasn't. I wanted the narrative, and Joseph did and I think my mom and dad did to a certain extent. Wanted it not to be that thing of, oh, you know, David and Joseph are gay. Like it was shameful. Like it was wrong. So for me, because I did feel so much shame, I wanted to reclaim it and take control of it, and say, no, mm. this is not. This is not. This is not going to be a thing of where we have to go and telling people. People ask, they can. That's fine. We'll tell them. This is my story and my brother's story for us to tell. No one else's. And um, so I, I I'm happy to have a conversation about queer culture, about uh, you know, trans, about race social structure amongst races, race and and culture and uh, sexuality. But what I won't do is um, encourage anyone to have a coming out or to tell them about coming out because actually, that just makes it seem like it's 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 something that needs to be told to everyone because it's unusual and actually the sooner the better we kind of get rid of that thing of just people just are gay. It, yeah. they, w- they walk among us, <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. People are gay. Some people are non-binary. Some people are trans. And that is it. Mm. It's as simple as that. Mm. And the sooner better we just realise and just get on, I think we will we will come so far. And I, 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 I hope I don't come across negative here as well, mm. because actually what I am really proud of as well, ireland being the first ever country to vote in equal marriage through popular vote i mean hello mm. you know that's amazing like in a in a, in a in a society and culture that was run by that fucking church you know we've come to the other end now and we're like mm. voting in equal marriage like i just want to if i wore, I should really probably wear a bra but if i will <laughs> when i take it off and burn it <laughs> do you know what i mean
2: yeah it's mad because like two things my aunt um she, her daughter is um, gay and um, my cousin, she's a lesbian and she's in a beautiful relationship but they, um, a woman said to her no, are you going to get your flag out for Pride? and my aunt said sorry she said you're going to get your, your flag out and she said why, why should I have mine now? where's yours? and she said I don't need a flag she says, I'm proud of my daughter every day Yeah. she said well, I, I'm, I don't need a flag outside my door to show my daughter that I'm proud of her she knows I'm proud of her every single day yeah oh, oh. The,
3: the other one is is
2: oh you're both gay oh they were upset they're not gonna have grandkids oh god
3: why won't they have grandkids
2: yeah
3: oh you th- oh you think that having a baby is a man and a woman okay right okay cool but you know
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
4: Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
3: Okay, people can adopt children and give them the most incredible life, you know, and that has been, you know, done for years, but okay, you know, it's, it's so mad. that. But then I don't get angry at that because people don't understand. Mm. But when you say they, it, they will. So, you know, it's all about having those conversations and just education education is key and that's why it should be part of the school curriculum but that's a debate in itself
2: yeah it is it, and it is it is yeah. um also do you think the strictly thing was was that a bigger thing in the UK than it was here was that huge like in the UK that there was two men dancing on strictly
3: oh my god it was it was it was so big to see two men on primetime television doing a competition that for 19 years, I think it's in series 19. well, wow. had been done with well, only male and females mm. ha- like that. way It was and the uh, Johannes and um John, who mm. who other couple did a um a dance a few weeks ago, and I just remember balling my eyes out crying because I I actually think my journey may have been a little bit different if i had a seen this on television because mm. representation matters you know mm. you know you you want to see a straight white woman on the television you turn it on you can find it within 2 seconds mm. you want to see a straight white man you can turn it on and find it in 2 seconds mm. you want to find a, a a gay person a, a, i mean a unicorn in ireland is a gay mm. a gay person of color I mean, that, uh, that finding that in the media is, yes. is impossible over here, and it, it's it's wrong. I and mean, we need more of it, and, and having that representation, seeing those two men dance, and not change anything, dancing like a man and a woman, and actually Shirley Ballas, who's one of the judges, on it put it so perfectly: is when dancers are growing up, there's not an awful lot of um, quotas of men a lot of girls dance together. So she's like, this has been going on for years. You know, <laughs> let me tell you, this is... So this is why it needs to be part Strictly. But the hate has been awful to see as well. But I hope that, you know, Dancing with the Stars, Ireland is coming up in January and February, and I really hope they have a same-sex couple. I hope they embrace it, because I think that they don't... RTE and and Shinowil, I think Shinowil are the producers. They, they, don't, they don't know the power that that will that will bring to, to to so many young, gay LG, members of the LGBTQIA plus IA community. It really will just offer this. It's like someone coming over and just patting you on the back and saying, See, it's alright. Don't worry, it will. It's alright. You know? That's so important.
2: That's huge.
3: Yeah, it is. It is.
2: That's like again, you're just giving me moments like that. Someone like patting it on the back and saying, Look. Look, Look th-
3: the- it's like a warm up and even like Getting the opportunity to do Elaine and be her showbiz correspondent, you know, Elaine gave me a job, a lad in London, as a panellist on her show, no one knew me, no one knew who I was, I'd never done anything over in Ireland, she was the only one that ever gave me a chance, an opportunity, Ryan Truppity and I, Ryan Truppity had me on his radio show, sorry, but Elaine was the only one who gave me this huge opportunity to kind of be a member of a panellist show in Ireland, it was incredible, and then to be openly gay and talk about my experiences on the panel but then also bring that into the showbiz correspondence and Mm. have that rapport with her and how you know she's such an amazing ally Mm. to the gay community um are they important yeah they are they are because actually what allies do is and people think that it's just about um people just do it now to be popular and just so well i have to agree because it's cool enough but Mm. what allies actually do is is they they take people by surprise because when people who aren't a member of that community take a stand for that community you shift the narrative and go the person goes oh because it's not just a gay person talking about gay rights because they're gay this straight person is sick enough for them so they oh okay this is different why are you it takes away the unconscious bias that people have and think that people are biased because of they're given circumstances does that make sense like you know so allies are so important
2: yeah i like that and where did you allow me
3: on the show, I just seen, sh- i emailed the show. Did you? I said, <laughs> I I think I'll be a good panelist. <laughs> I'm this and that. Met her on that's the set. Fabulous. Met her on the set for the first day in the old studio in mm. um, the so Anybody who doesn't know Virgin Media's got two studios, mm. the new studio and the um, what they call the old studio, I think. Mm. And uh, it was the old studio, and at that time, the six o'clock show, expose the news, and Elaine were all in one building, in, in one studio, mm. and that's where I met for the first time. And yeah. I think I was a gobby little shite, and she was like, oh, okay. I like him. Get him back, he might talk <laughs> a bit. And then she knew I was struggling during the pandemic, mm. because I had no work. Obviously, theatres were closed. Mm. And she said, um, would you like to be the showbiz correspondent? Or do a weekly roundup of all... That's where a roundup of all came from. I mean, yeah, do the showbiz correspondence. Your little logo and said, everything. Yeah, my little logo. That's, that's where I'm I mean, so I'll be forever grateful for her, actually, for putting a gay person on a prime time slot for a show every every week and also supporting someone as well very important
2: tell me about your first big interview and what that was like audition not interview your big audition do you remember
3: terrible it was for spring awakening in germany and what is that spring awakening is a musical it was a musical um, not very rarely done very rarely done now i think but was um big back in the day it was the first production being done Outside of the usual productions. So it was a new production of in Germany and I remember going into the room and the director was an Irish and <laughs> totally unnerved me and stood in the middle of the room, went to sing and I was like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and it was awful. I remember walking out going, Okay, so I don't think I'm gonna get that Ooh. but then it wasn't long after that I got my first my first big job and uh, yeah, you, you learn auditions we put so much pressure on it. It's just a job interview at the end of the day. And I've taken away that importance of it as well now. Mm. I go in, I show them what I can do, and then I leave. And that is it. I, don't f- I forget about it then.
2: How long did it take you to get there, that
3: mindset? Uh, I graduated in July of 2010. And I opened in Greece. I started rehearsals for Greece, the musical, in the January 2011.
2: But the mindset? How oh, how long it me
3: to get the mindset. The mi- Sorry, that
2: mindset of that
3: mindset. Oh God, the last year, maybe ten years into the business, having the confidence, having jobs behind me to feel like I'm worth ha- saying things like that. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. I'm not in an ego way, but like at the end of the day, I can only go in and do what I can do, mm. and that may or may not fit the jigsaw that's sitting in front of you for the jobs. And if it doesn't, well, there's nothing more I can do because that's all I can do. Mm-hmm. You know, if I went in unprepared not knowing my content my scripts my my songs or I wasn't prepared it's easy to walk away and feel like you've let yourself down but when I go to when you go into an audition and you've literally done everything that you can possibly do you can't you can't get annoyed at yourself Mm. and the the audition process used to be so hard I mean some people had 13 auditions for Legally Blonde and they didn't get the job I mean hello um (laughs) But now we're in a different, we're in a different place from I'm in a different place where I go in, I do what I need to do and I, and I leave. And that's it. And that's it. I forget about it. Or I do a self-tape for a TV job. I submit it and then I leave it. And that's it. That's all I can do.
2: Tell me about Greece. What was it like? One opening night. But then was your parents at opening night or what was that like?
3: I had so many people <laughs> opening night and it was I don't know if anyone's ever seen Greece the production I did was the original production that happened in 1993 at the Dominion Theatre it watered itself down right up until I did it in 2011 at the Piccadilly (laughs) Theatre which Moulin Rouge is at at the moment in London's West End and the show opens with um, Danny and Sandy coming out singing either side and they go and we go straight into Greece is the word and this curtain comes up and there's smoke and we're all standing by and I was shaking I think I even meant to go early on one of the first moves. What I did. part did you play? I played Roger, one of the T-Birds, but he's not called Roger in the film. Right. He's one. There's five T-Birds, Danny, Kenicky, Sonny, Roger and Judy. and I was Roger. And he sings a song bit. He's a bigger, he's a larger character. Um, and, yeah, I... I We'll never forget that moment. And my dad always says, like... He's like, yeah, we were just going along with it. And then he said, it wasn't so I went into the theatre and I seen your name up on the board, like... I was like, Jesus Christ, this is big. And it was. And I made friends for life in that job. And I truly feel that that job has just... That job was the one where I kind of let my shoulders down a little bit. And I, oh, I think I can start to enjoy life a little bit. I think I can start to enjoy life a little bit. I found my people, my tribe.
2: And you've travelled the world...
3: I have I've been very very lucky i very lucky with my jobs and uh, you know blessed
2: because it look it, you worked hard look you've just told me how hard you um, had it all these years to travel the world so you're not lucky
3: oh thank you yeah no yeah you, you're right you're right yes take our bras off again mm. um, and yeah I've been to Australia New Zealand um, I'm going to America um, to do a job I've done jobs in England I've been very very lucky that my 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 chosen career that i've wanted to do that i love so much has been so has afforded me so much more than just a job it's afforded me the chance to see some of the world work with incredible amazing people and and take money home at the end of the week from it as well and that's all we that's all really you can ask for isn't it
2: and what were you doing when you were in um, Australia, New Zealand? What show were you doing? I did the Catherine Tate live tour okay. there.
3: And we, we had the most incredible experience. There was four of us in the cast. Catherine Tate, obviously. Uh, Nikki Wardley and Alex Carter. Alex Carter is probably best known for being Dale and Oaks, And Nikki mm-hmm. has done all the Catherine Tate stuff. She's her, you know, I'm above it. She's the other girl with her. And we did two weeks rehearsals in London. Then we did a week of tech and it was like another world i was just like and it was amazing to watch catherine she knows her brand she knows who she is she knows what works she knows what doesn't and then we flew business class she (laughs) made sure we were all it was like being a rock star like this experience i was like oh my god we went to me we flew me we landed in perth we spent a week there and then we literally went perth adelaide melbourne canberra brisbane newcastle um sydney over to Auckland, Wellington, Palmerston North, down to Christchurch, back up to Wellington, and finished in this twenty thousand seat arena in Auckland on our last show. And then we, took, we were able, after all that, to take the show into London, to West End, for three weeks. It was one of the most incredible experiences of my life because I not only I got to see family out in Australia as well, and spent quality time with my my cousin Lynn and Paul and Lynn's little boy, my nephew Charlie. I say he's my nephew because he is. <laughs> And see them, see my mum's cousin, see one of my other second cousins in New Zealand. I got to experience this and be paid for it. And to do an amazing show every night. Like, yeah. it was mad. It was just mad.
2: What is it like when family come in? Like, are you, are you so proud to bring them back? Like,
3: Yeah, I am. I, I mean, I love when mum and dad come to see a show because they, they're as much part of this journey as it is of I am as I am and you know dad wants the program and the poster and everything like that and mom you know mom will say about what she loved about the show and they were never like you know like stagey parents like they were never pushy but like that sort of stuff so when they come and see I genuinely am just intrigued to see if they're enjoying the show and you know it's so great when they do and I've had so many aunties and uncles come and see and friends and I just love that experience of them being able to come and see because a lot of people don't understand what being an actor is I think that in order to be an actor you have to have been you're not successful unless you've been on the X Factor EastEnders or in a big film <laughs> everything else in it doesn't really matter it's not on people's radar so when they come to the West End and see me performing or even in regional theatre or on tours or my stuff on a lane that's a real sense of pride for me because it's a representation of my work
2: it's fabulous <laughs> it is it is like sound like a white wanker uh, don't I No you don't I'm, like I I absolutely love it I love it all like I love it all and I know I am um, a friend of mine she's in London um, my my friend's sister Audrey, and her son, um, he is doing all, Emmett, he's doing all, he's in all the performing arts, Amazing. and he's doing all the shows and pantos and stuff like that, and he's only gone 21, and I know he's going to be a huge star, I know yeah. he's going to be fab, um, and she's the biggest stage mom. she's not like, a bad, you know, you know what I mean, like yeah, we say no, stage she encourages and embraces, yeah, she really does, so I'm just like, sitting here looking at you, and I, I can't wait just to finish this and to say oh Audrey can't wait wait till you hear this do you know <laughs> what I mean because I know she'll love it like she'll love it every minute of it um, tell me about then you went and you did and what was that like And other like bits that you've done <sighs>
3: That was mad. That was my first ever TV job and I was going in as the first ever character from Ireland <laughs> into this massive British institution of comedy legends and mm. icons. I was going in the end of series nine and my first day on set was with two actors, Jay Canusa and Sherry Houston. and I was shitting myself. I'd never done TV before. I didn't know what all these things meant. You know what I mean? And the Is it very different? Oh God, yeah, yeah. Because... Theatre, you rehearse for three weeks and then you go and you do the sh- same show every night for a year. Mm, yeah. Basically, essentially. Mm. TV, there's a lot of waiting around. You know, you get your pickup, you go to your trailer, you then go to hair makeup, you then go back to your trailer, you're then brought to set. Everybody does a line run. Then, depending on directors, different directors of different minds, then we do a blocking, a rehearsal, then we shoot it, then we change cameras, then we shoot it again, then we'll change cameras again. And you've got to make sure that you're doing the same thing in every single take for continuity. And I'd never done all this. And I'm hearing words like, make sure you do this, make sure that. I'm like, I don't know what that means. (laughs) So I was petrified. So I just kind of really tried to throw myself into it. And I got invited back for Series 10 to do an episode as well. And I just, I loved it. I loved the experience of going out to Spain. I loved the experience of being... Part of that amazing cast, Tony Marsley who played Kenneth the hairdresser, is still a really, really good friend of mine. And um, Julie Graham and Sherry Houston, I still speak to a lot of the other actors. And um, and and Darren, who's the creator as well, you know, I, I'm so grateful for him to give me the opportunity and just being part of this kind of massive ensemble cast of a really, really you know, British loved comedy, and it was just it was just a massive kind of deal for me Mm. and i'm so proud to have been a very small part of it one to be the first ever person from ireland Mm. to to do a character and to get to do amazing scenes it was yeah i was just so bowled over with excitement pride and and just real kind of sense of jesus christ is this actually happening like this is real Mm. do you know what i mean
2: and before we could talk about jamie um Cause I think that in itself is totally huge. Like that's a huge thing. Um, but tell me about and you've said it, you know you can only be yourself. But through the years, just perhaps to help people, when you've had a no, mm-hmm. and what was your biggest no, and how did you how did you deal with it?
3: The biggest no I would probably say was when I did. Um, I was standby at the Book of Mormon. Oh wow! For five years, and there's a natural kind of. Uh, progression for some people they feel like they're going to take over the part or they should take over the part and I think I kind of learned after the first year or two that my job was purely just to be there as a standby I didn't give any more grace in that but I think not taking over was probably one of the best gifts at the time it felt hard. I felt like maybe I wasn't worthy enough or I wasn't good enough to take over the role and actually it was just down to one, one person didn't want me to take over. That was one producer didn't. And, you know, they decided after four and a half years that my, my time was going to come to an end in the January and they wanted me to work on my counterpart that was taking over me <sighs> for that time. But I got a job in September and I left in the December, so I waved <laughs> off. But what I will say is, is that... Um, the the producer, the English producer on that show, Sonia Friedman and her team are some of the greatest people and made those four and a half years the most amazing years ever. I came into work and I loved coming into work and I loved my job. I loved going on every now and again for this role, this big mm. role. And they looked after me and they 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 kept me so well in regards to like, treating treating me well in the workplace that you know I'm so forever grateful for Sonia Friedman Productions and the production company because they looked after me and even now they come and support me in other shows and that means a lot as an actor you know for people to come and see you in shows after you've worked finished working with them mm. that's huge it's people taking time out of their schedule to come and see you
2: I think that's still like god such a long time of being a standby I wouldn't say everyone handles it so well. No, some
3: people don't, and that's that that's okay as well. Um I I had a choice. I could either go with it or I could let it define me and define my experience. And actually the greatest thing now looking back on it, it was hard leaving the show, but I've been so lucky since. I've been blessed. I really have been blessed to work I left that show and went straight into doing the play with Kathy Burke, directed by Kathy Burke with Jennifer Saunders. I then went from that to then going to Australia with Catherine Tay. I got to do um, Doctors on the BBC, another episode of Benidorm. I got to go and do Everybody's Suck About Jamie. I got to do a whole cartoon series, you know. So I, I, I am so focused on on that experience of. The scare, being scared of leaving a job, actually going into these other jobs, just totally took away any sort of possibility of resentment or anything like that. Does that make sense? Of course, yes. I still, jo- I still joke about it now. You know mm. what I mean mm. to friends and all that, and they and they find it very funny. But yeah, it, it learning to. I think always with every decision, when it comes down to circumstances, choices, and emotional turmoil, you kind of look at it. I think it's very good to look at it and go: Am I going to let this define me? Mm. Am I going to let this situation define me, or am I going to? And that again goes back to the bullying. Mm. I, you know, I can't let this be my my narrative Mm. because if I do, I've succumbed and I'm losing out on time. Is that me? No, it's the I'm losing. (laughs) I'm losing out on. and, you know, I've just gone through a breakup at the moment about right. a month and a half ago. And, you know, today particularly was a bit of a hard day. And my mum just said to me, you know, you've got to write through this, but remember, don't let it define. You don't let your past define your future. Because if you do, you're remaining in the past. Yeah. And I think as people, it's hard. We've got to acknowledge the problems. We've got to acknowledge the grief. We deal with them properly healthily and then we try and carry them through as a piece of armour as opposed to some self self self-hate because then we're just carrying it through and it just becomes a lot of old shite
2: how long was that relationship
3: it was 18 months it was 18 months yeah yeah
2: is that why you're home
3: i was coming home anyway but why i'm home for so long
2: yeah
3: yeah yeah it was hard first one in 10 years i've been Yeah, yeah 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 And, it, 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 and it's, it's so much better than it was Like when I, I was A month and a half ago Like I just wish I was one of those people who stopped eating when they were upset You know <laughs> what I mean? Because I'd be a lot skinnier now If that was the case But I think i eat more When I When <laughs> I uh, But yeah um, It's It's it, it's fine Because actually it's It's I'm going to use it as As a, a string to my bow mm. um, re- Remember Where It applied to some of my acting And remember that actually I'm a kick-ass person Um I'm important to so many people, and I, I'm not going to let this define me. I'm not
2: good for you. Good for you. Don't. I won't. Such a fabulous. Thank you, darling. You too. Me. Tell me about. um I want to talk about the post you put up this week. But before that, I want to talk about Jamie. And is Jamie is that a very new thing? You yeah, know? yeah,
3: yeah. So uh, Jamie. um is it is is a musical? Everybody's talking about Jamie, and it's a, a new British musical that came down to the West End in two thousand and seventeen, I believe, from a regional theatre based on a true story about a boy that wanted to go to his prom in a dress. There's a documentary on BBC about it. Jamie Campbell, a guy from uh up north, I think it's Middlesbrough, wanted to go to his prom. The teachers wouldn't let him into the prom with the dress on, but the students wouldn't go into the prom until they let Jamie in wow. and they end up doing it. And so what they've done is they've made this stage show, Dan Gillespie Sells from The Feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom uh, McCrea and um, Johnny Boyle created this amazing story. And it's it's absolutely mind-blowing to see it be so... So welcomed to the mainstream commercial theatre industry. It it just closed after like five years on the West End. And now it's going to LA and it's on a UK tour. And I got the chance to be part of it on an eight-month contract just before, like in the January of the pandemic. So I did three months and then we closed. But then I went back to it for four shows on Christmas and we closed again. And then I just went back into it this May and I just finished at the end of September and I'm about to go back out with it to LA in January and February. And the great thing about this story is, is it looks at the relationship between the son and the mother, and the 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 how the mother embraces the authenticity of the, her child, and goes along with her son's real life lived experience because she just accepts him for who he is, and her and her friend accepts him for who he is. And there's one bully in the play, but the majority of the students love Jamie for who he is because they know that. There's nothing wrong, like, you know, and that's what, that was just an amazing world, but obviously he does go through, uh, you know, a hard time within the story, it wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be very nice to watch if it was just the same kind of, oh, this is great, and I don't want to give it away in case anybody hasn't seen it, but it's just such a wonderful, beautiful story that I think will really resonate, and I, I hope... One day it comes to Ireland, and I hope that it was a residency somewhere, and um, somewhere even like the Gaiety or the Olympia. Mm. Just, just this show comes so people can come and see it because actually I think it would do people an amazing gift to just watch it and just experience it. And it then became a movie and just came out. Have you seen the movie? No, I haven't seen it. Yet. You should watch it. It's mm. incredible. The movie is like fucking amazing. And, yeah, it's just become this bit of... It's opened in Korea. It's gone to Australia. I think it's going to South Africa. It's just completely gone over all the, over all the world. And it's going to be around for a long time. And I'm very proud to be part of it. I play a character called Like a Virgin,
1: on the drag queens. <laughs>
3: um, and it's great. We come out. We have fun. We tell this amazing story and then have a big dance and big mega mix at the end. It's, it, it's, it's such a... It's a joy and a privilege to be part of. It really is. Look
2: at you. Because
3: sometimes... Sometimes you have part of shows and they're fucking shy <laughs> And you're like, oh, it's such an honour. But this genuine genuinely, genuinely yeah. I am so honoured to be mm. part of it. I really am.
2: David O'Reilly from Kilmainham, look at you.
3: Kilmainham, Kilmana. Where's
2: Kilmana? Kilmana Kilmanham. Kilmanham.
3: Kilmanham. Where's Kilmanham? is in Teller.
2: Alright, come on. Look at you, though. Like, taking over the world. It's amazing. Ah, stop. Hardly. No, like, it's just amazing to see.
3: Thank you so much.
2: Tell me about there was a post. Did you put it up with someone that someone was t- attacked? Some drag queens in the UK. Yeah, is it a homophobia a huge problem? I know, I know, and I spoke to James, and it is here. Is this like have the UK? They moved on, or is it still a huge problem?
3: It's still a deep-rooted part of of society, and I'm not sure it will ever go away because homophobia. You're not born homophobic. Mm. You're taught homophobia. You learn it from the people you're around and the things that you you watch, and that's why as a as a gay person, it's so important for me to try and encourage change on our mainstream media um, and positive changes. I'm not I'm not I'm not pre- preaching for anything other than just tell queer stories. Like how many gay sitcoms has there been on Irish TV
2: mm.
3: about a gay friendship circle? I've got mm. one waiting to go, yeah, but I can't get in the room to get a made.
2: That's crazy.
3: Like I'm I'm, I'm literally. I wanted to get made it's called it's just two series that have got really massively Irish gay content in them and I and I, I would, be, I would give my right arm to have them on TV so I hope one day if it's not mine that somebody's dream someone's lived reality of being queer in Ireland gets made but in the UK the problem is is that there is a lot of attack I mean we've seen it in Spain that guy getting kicked to death yeah. in Madrid I mean that's, that's a scary thing because actually he was killed because he was gay. So instantly you go, you, 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 as people we always compare ourselves to other people. So I look at him and say, well, he was gay. He was killed for being gay. That drag queen was pushed to the floor the other day because they wanted her to pull up her skirt so they could see her genitals. He started, that was literally, and people think that drag queens are some sort of petting zoo. I believe you know it, it, mm. it, 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 and and people come to Soho for a good night. You know, oh, geez, we'll go still have have a great crack with the gays. You know mm. that kind of sort of mentality, mm. um, and that that has that and has changed over the years because it's gone quite commercial now. That's a little safe space. It was a little hub of of community community. It was a safe space for some young queer people to go and have drinks and not feel like they're going to be battered when they're walking out on the streets. And actually where it comes from is it needs to come from schools. And this is why people say, no, you can't teach about being gay in school. You you, you don't pick gay up from reading books. You don't pick, you're not going to catch gay because you're sitting within two metres of me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Teaching about gay history and, and gay culture, what it does is, it gives people an understanding to go, oh God, this is actually quite part, this, there is actually, and not this kind of thing of, you know, so-and-so's son is gay, mm. you know, so-and-so's daughter's a lesbian. Like, that, that, when we speak like that, what we do is, even like, just going like that, you know, so-and-so's gay, mm. that is making it. you're hushing your tone, you're making it as yeah. if it's a secret or something to be ashamed of, so... The homophobia rises from the home, from what these people are seeing and being taught. And then, you know, my brother gets called batty boy or gay in London. I'd say once a month, if not more, when he walking, when he's walking, because he dresses incredibly. He's a, he's a fashion icon. Anybody check his Instagram out, <laughs> Joseph O'Reilly, because he's a stunning icon. And that's his lived reality, you know? Uh, the same with me, if I'm on the phone and someone takes the piss out of my voice and it, you know. These, this is what we're dealing with. So as much as London is this real accepting kind of and it is accepting, don't get me wrong, you know, with regards to we also have a government that's in power. Um that were the ones that brought in section twenty eight of in the UK that forbid the teachings of anything gay because it was considered propaganda right up until the year two thousand. Two thousand.
2: Oh my god.
3: Like, that was in. The Tories brought that in. Sorry, it's getting very political now. Mm-hmm. But um, they're in power now. Mm-hmm. And that was called Section 28. And do you know what stand there at the Tory conference? They put the LGBTQ?
2: 20.
3: When was it? 20A. Imagine doing that. Who? Like, that just sums it completely up. So, whilst it isn't accepting an amazing community, and I'm so proud to be part of it, there's so much more work to be done. And I unfortunately starts with the younger community in schools and at homes and parents understand them. But how can you do that if there's nothing on the telly, mm. if there's nothing in the pages, of the papers or the books to very talk true. about this stuff? Do you know what I mean? Mm,
2: very true. Really true. Tell me about, as well, I'm going to move on as well, like that, we'll take a, about the Dancing with David, like, I had a look at your Instagram today <laughs> just to have a look through it. And I was like, oh my fucking God. That, who are those other two people that are with you? And Jesus Christ, that's like, what? We just,
3: um, we just saw, well, over lockdown, I was in my home. So my friend Amy owned our property. We live in right. South West London. And her fiancé, her, me, and our other best friend, Craig, all live together. And obviously, don't know about you, but during the lockdown when there was nothing happening, mm. you try and make your day up. So we thought, mm. people. she'd put up a few videos of me pissing around, dancing, and people loved them. So we said, well, we'll, we'll do dance lessons every mm. day. But they weren't dance lessons. They were just me taking the piss. And mm. I knew the best, thing, the best thing about my dance dance with dave was was them laughing
2: yeah was
3: their reactions to me doing this shy? that was the best thing and that's where it came from and then it kind of grew and lots of people tuned in every day river dance and the river, the, the river dance was ridiculous i mean it was just ridiculous and we just we just had fun and and just just you know so many people over lockdown so many amazing people my friend chris hall did some videos over lockdown he's like got like 37,000 followers on Instagram now he's built up a following and, and a brand from Fair doing thing. the millennial at home during the lockdown mm-hmm. like it was so brilliant so yeah that's where that came from we just kind of let it grow and then I did a show recently in London a live my live comedy show and um I'm toying with maybe doing one in Dublin you should and I brought the guys up on stage I didn't even know him we did a dance with Dave
2: <laughs> <laughs> what was your to date what has been two things what has been the person in the industry that has really probably not changed your life, but given you the best piece of advice, and then what on that, and then the side note to that is what is the best part you've if you can. That's like me, someone say to me, "What's the best episode?" But like if you yeah, can, yeah. yeah.
3: do you know what, there's not one person. there, th- my training involved a village of people, but I want to name some people that kind of you know influenced me. there's a lady called Michelle Blair who runs an agency now, but she was my course leader at college. And she took me under her wing and she pushed me harder than anybody's ever pushed me before. She taught me about high standards and and trying to achieve for the best version of yourself and achieving the greatest possible outcomes. She did, Stephen Mayer, you know, awarded me his award, a massive choreographer in the UK. But Flick Swan was the reason that I went and trained in England. She came to Ireland to teach, did these mock auditions with the sage school I was in. And she... Auditioned me, put me in, and then taught me. And she's actually a really good friend now. So Flick Swan would 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 be one of the people that you know influenced me. Mark Smith, who is a deaf one of my is a deaf choreographer who taught me at college. Watching his tenacity, his creativeness, and his uh, his love of life was so inspiring. But then also Damien Delaney, who used to come in. He's a he's from Cork he was in every he'd been in every bleeding show on the west end <laughs> and see somebody Irish coming into mm. teachers at college and he always gave me a chance to be in his numbers and kind of really encouraged me i you know I feel very lucky off that so they would be the people that I was training with and then you know there's been so many people since and there's so many people who continue to kind of have my back and push me and you know there's a director called Debbie is it who directed and created all the nativity films and I've met Debbie once, but we created The Gayest Days on YouTube over the pandemic, about five friends it's on YouTube, The Gays Days, and she directed it for my disaster and she directed it for me and I, I loved working with her. We've really bonded and made a friendship and that's what I love about this business. It brings people together. Um, that's amazing. So much. It is amazing. It is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, you know... She's she hypes me up and I hype her up and, and I love that and there's so many people on a personal level as well, who you know, mm. that comes in. So yeah, it's it's mad.
2: And your most favourite part to play?
3: Favourite part to play. Um Do you know what there's so there is genuinely so many i have just done a TV job which I can't talk about yet. But I did an episode of a big American T V show. I filmed it about three weeks ago and it's been one of my favourite days on set ever. It was just oh God, I just felt like in a new woman. I felt like a new woman. Um <laughs> it was amazing. It was honestly I was working with some incredible actors and actresses. And then um theatre, you know, the Catherine says Tate stuff was amazing. Getting directed by Kathy Burke and Lady Windermis fan, you know, being an Irish man in an Irishman's play who wrote it in London and I was performing it in London was like, oh my god. And I got to work with Jennifer Saunders, Geoffrey from The Fresh Prince of Bel Air was in it. Um and <laughs> You know, so that, and then obviously musicals, I'll always have a soft spot for Greece because it was my first, mm. you know, it was, it was my first time getting on stage and doing that HO week kind of marathon. And yeah, it was, did, yeah.
2: Real quick question before I let you go. Yeah, yeah. Did anyone like that you met disappoint you, either their craft or their personality? And maybe you can't say who that person is there was,
3: there's, all, there's all you know you there's always going to be people you don't click with mm-hmm. um on jobs and there has been so many over the years where they may not like me and that's fine you know i'm i'm an acquired taste somewhere am i you know i never mm-hmm. have any ill intentions or anyone i uh, you know i am who i am and sometimes people uh, it's either overpowering or they just don't want to you know and that's fine just there's, there's you know, celebrity-wise, you know, you meet celebrities in the circus that you can go, Jesus, I'm glad I'm not talking to them. None <laughs> that I've worked with the full disclosure, but on, on it, I, to flipping the question, actually, and I remember when we did Lady and Miss Fan, and I was working with Jennifer Saunders and Kathy Burke, but then there was also a lady called Samantha Spiro, who I had seen play Hello Do- Dolly, Levi, and Hello Dolly at Regent's Park in 2008, and I was, like, totally... Soft as well and, called. and she's a big TV actress. She plays Barbara Windsor in all the Barbara Windsor like flashback oh, wow. series and all. Yeah. And she was in this play as well with me. And I remember looking at her, Jennifer and Cathy rehearsing and talking and I was like, Fuck, this is kick ass. Three amazing women mm-hmm. at the top of their craft just being absolutely brilliant. And and I'm so lucky I can say that the three of them are friends now and I speak to them and I and I and I adore them and I sat there on my mouth, watched three professionals create something so brilliant. And I was like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that and put it into my little notebook of remembrance and stuff like that. So yeah.
2: Come here. what about, I just want to ask you this. One, uh, this and ask me as this many questions as you want. Um, Miriam thing. What's her name? Miriam. Miriam Marguelis. What? She's mental,
3: isn't I she? I am Ob- obsessed <laughs> it, if anyone wants to go onto my Instagram page I th- have a thing called have a laugh mm. it's a folder of like um, like things that make people laugh and it is literally, there are so many of her because, you, I'll tell you one story that I don't know uh, my friend did Wicked with her and they were going to a corporate gig after the show so they got the tube and Miriam is oh. standing in the tube and um, I don't want to say this too loud your poor kids are in bed <laughs> um, and she's standing in the tube and next Miss Sean sees her, get this face, Miriam Maragly she was like she Turned around, this man was standing right behind her, very close, and she yeah. said, Excuse me, will you take your cock out of my ass? I went, to, I, went the, I went to the whole tube. And honestly, it when Sean told me this story, I roared laughing. But she has so Watch, go back into YouTube and watch if I'm ever feeling down, I go and watch. And actually, I've just read her audiobook, I've read, I listened to her audiobook, and it's fascinating. It is so. Amazing to hear the stories and the way she talks so openly. And did you see the first video? Someone sent me. Someone sent me a, a video of her farting, and I'm just roaring laughing. I <laughs> mean, yeah. so silly. But I just, she's just, because she's such an incredible actress as well. Have you met her? No, I don't know if I could meet her mm. I don't get starstruck but I think I would no I think if I met her I'd want her to be my friend and I'd be so disappointed <laughs> if she didn't like me and the thing is she probably would because she doesn't like anyone don't <laughs> it, she doesn't She doesn't like people but she's mm. so honest mm. does, does, does know that, did you watch Graham Norton last yeah. week she was on it oh, well, not
2: last week the first time she was on like, it last week yeah. and
3: they were talking about how she gets her breasts out to make people laugh and Stephen Fry was on the show and he said um, he turned around to interact and said oh, did you see Miriam took a breast out and they said no I didn't see them I heard them <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh David I could talk to you all night I really I could and I'm so happy that you're heading back to LA because I know uh, COVID was really hard for the theater yeah. um, um community because even Carl Broderick and Panto you know I yeah, yeah, a friend yeah. of mine and it was really hard for him and Panto and stuff like that so I know how horrible it was for you so it's great to oh, see you doing so well, and I can't wait to see what that because I know you went back, you were here, and then you went back to the UK to film that little yeah, secret too. Yeah, thing, and I'm, I'm and going back, back next
3: week to Panto before I could then go off to see, uh, LA, Jamie and Lay. But I uh, thank you all for, for having me on this. I've just listened to so many of your episodes, and I love your authenticity and your 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 ability to chat. And and the greatest thing about podcasts is when you just want to feel like you're sitting in the room with the people. So to yeah. be part of this, I just I'm, I'm honoured. Thank you for having me.
2: Thank you so much.
3: Thank
4: you.